to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at International Cinema at Brigham Young University. I'm Mark Olivier, co-director of International Cinema, and I'm joined by co-directors Doug Weatherford and Marilor Oscarsen for our final week of winter semester 2022. It's the wrap-up episode. Excited? So excited. Very much so, yes. Awesome. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite films of the semester, give a sneak peek what to expect in the fall, and a little bonus feature that we're planning to try out on our guests starting in the fall. More on that later. First, some highlights. Our highest attended movie was Castle in the Sky. I think we'll have to do some more Studio Ghibli films in the future. Our lowest was a thousand cuts. That breaks my heart. <laughs> it's it's amazing. So, uh, so actually that leads to my first question. What's a movie that we showed this semester that you think deserved more attention than it got from our film goers? Well, I'll just jump in real quick and say that one of my favorite films uh, from this semester was a documentary from the Congo and it's called Makala. And uh, our numbers, our attendance numbers weren't particularly high on that. Mm. And I hope people will go back and take a look at it because it's really good. And it follows just a young father's attempts to provide for his family. And what he has to go through is just absolutely amazing. He cut down one tree in the plains and then turned it into carbon to be able to to sell, but he has to carry that on a broken down bicycle across miles and miles and miles. Mm. Just a really amazing, beautiful film. And it has environmental questions in it, of course, but it's really about the will to survive and to improve one's life. And I think it's a really good documentary. I hope people will see it. Nice. What about you, Marilo? Okay, mine is the lowest attended ever at IC this semester. It's the documentary, A Thousand Cuts. And before I jump into A Thousand Cuts and why it's so great and people need to see it, I want to tell everybody, see those documentaries that we're showing at IC. We only have two screenings every week, so I understand it's a little bit more tricky to get to them. But those are documentaries that are really showing the world as it is. Mm-hmm. And voices are in those documentaries are very important. And the reason why I loved A Thousand Cuts is because I felt it really did a great job of uncovering the dangers of taking away freedom of speech and the importance of journalism, really good journalism that will tell us what's happening in places where democracy is threatened. Yeah, I loved that as well. A Thousand Cuts. I was kind of sad that there weren't more people that went to it. But one that I truly expected there to be better attendance at was Z or Zed. You can listen to the podcast about it that I did with our department chair, Daryl Lee. It's a thriller. It's fascinating. And yet it's also sort of a documentary in a sense in that it's all inspired by real events. I think that it's profoundly engaging. And I don't know what happened. (laughs) But if you get a chance, I would recommend Z. Any other movies that stand out to you that you want to talk about from this semester before we move on to what to expect in the future? Ghoulie Boy. I thought Ghoulie Boy or Bollywood about rap. The music was different, but it really addressed important issues, social issues. And so I thought that was a a very interesting film that went against many of the expectations that we would have Mm -hmm. for Bollywood. 
And that the 154 minutes for me went so fast. I was so intrigued and interested and I loved the music. So that was for me a a highlight. I loved our series on music this semester. I thought it was a a happy, uh, joyful celebration of life. Yeah. And I was going to talk about a couple of uh, films that were part of that series as well. But before I do so, because I've talked at least a couple other times throughout the semester about Vitalina Varela, I think that (laughs) was my favorite movie of the semester. And it was probably one that a lot of people didn't like. But I just absolutely love that movie and want to see it again and again. But and kind of go along with what Marilor is saying I was really thrilled to see the support for Strictly Ballroom and the other film Sing Street that I wanted to highlight because both of these films are kind of like the anti-Vitalina Varela, Mm. which is a dark and moody and static film with very little dialogue. These two other films are active and moving and frenetic almost and joyous and full of song and dance and dialogue. And both of them are just amazing, fun movies to watch. If you haven't seen them yet, uh, be sure to to do so. But don't throw out Vitalina Varela. If you don't like it, come see me. I'm to blame. <laughs> I love that you. movie. <laughs> well, you know, and speaking of the musical ones, I not only did I already love going into it, The Young Girls of Rochefort, but our guest lecture helped me like it even more. And I, so I just want to make a plug for how great it is when we, Wednesdays at five, we always have a guest lecturer and they bring such new insight into the movie. So I didn't know that they went and painted all of the shutters to make it look, you know, yeah, to match the pastel (laughs) colors of the film and that they were going to paint a bridge (laughs) <laughs> like pink. Pink. Was it pink? Yeah, pink, yes. like bubblegum pink. pink. They didn't do it, alas. Yeah. They would have had to paint it back afterwards, I think, which is well, You, too you bad. can't blame the city for asking that, right? No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. But, you know, new insight into that. And I just, I loved sort of the exuberance and I loved seeing Gene Kelly speak French. You know, at first I thought, surely he doesn't speak French and looked it up and, oh yeah, he, mm-hmm. he did. He was quite the Francophone. <laughs> so anyway, those were really great. And I guess... In terms of documentaries, I just want to add one more plug for that. Our documentary series are always some of the most engaging films. And like Marilor said, it may be harder. We have fewer show times, but those are always well worth it. So I think we're ready to move on to some teasers for fall. We're working on programming for the fall, and maybe each one of us will talk about an upcoming theme. I don't know that we'll, we'll, maybe we'll hint at a couple movies, but Marilor, what's one of the themes that we're thinking about for fall that you'd like to talk about? So we've seen many films that deal with the notion of image, social media, life on the web, I don't know. And that will make a good series, different films, of one from Poland called Sweat. Mm-hmm. I mean, those people live their lives on the web. There is an, an anime called Belle by Mamoru Osa Osoda, who has been uh, featured at IC before. A Korean film, Aloners, and we see even in the title that the social media aspect of life can keep you very lonely as a person. I mean, I'm telling all those titles, but we don't know yet what's going to be 
in that series or not, but there is a film we saw at Sundance called Hatching, and that's from <laughs> that's from Finland, and that would bring. All, I mean, that's so interesting. No spoilers, but no, it's talk. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and unless you are just absolutely and not a horror person, yeah. But even then, anyway. So well, the really horror, great. as as because yeah. here we are around the table, and I am honestly very sensitive to the horror genre genre, <laughs> and it's it's a difficult one for me. But Hatching was just fine because the ideas behind that film just really swept me. I really enjoy that. Now, we've all watched the Oscars last night. Yes. And we know that Koda got Best Film. And Koda is a film that we saw at Sundance a few years ago. And it got the award as well from Mm -hmm. uh, the audience, the audience award. And that's a film that I really enjoyed. It's a remake of a French film, The Bellier Family. And we would love to get these two films to come to IC next year. To enjoy as well, like ASL and Sign Language these are two amazing films that, and we don't see films about ASL and sign language that much. So yeah. And I don't think most people are even aware that there's a French original. So that would be fun, huh? Yeah. We want to do some originals, things that you maybe don't know have been remade by Hollywood. Another one, you know, speaking of the horror, of course I like horror. So international horror is going to be one of our, we're going to, Take Halloween and spread it out and show you some really good spooky movies from around the world. I won't give any spoilers of which ones yet, but that one will be really fun. Then another one that I know Doug's got a movie that he wants to talk about with is objects. We're going to do something about, you know, all about objects. And I think taking a movie and reading it through an object instead of a person is a way to open up a whole new interpretation. But there are some movies that are so clearly about objects. There's a silent film that's called Shoes, for example, that's all about a young woman who needs a new pair of shoes and that that drives the entire plot. So I think there are a lot of movies that highlight objects. And I don't know, Doug, you want to talk about some of that? Well, I mean, obviously, we have to be kind of careful about, uh, you know, saying too many films because we we're still in Working the process of getting distribution and things like that. So if one of these films doesn't show up in the fall, forgive us. But Marie-Laure and I both recently previewed a film called Monoblock. It's a German film, but it's shot in a number of different countries throughout the Americas and Europe and Africa and Asia. And it's just an amazing film that's about a monoblock. And if you don't know what that is, I didn't when I started. It's these single form plastic chairs (laughs) that we all love to hate, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that the idea is really ingenious to just see the value in something that when uh, the director talks with people in Europe, you know, they're all kind of disgusted at how Mm -hmm. awful and and just uh, lowbrow these chairs are. But then you go to a place like Uganda, where if you don't have a monoblock chair, you may not have any furniture at all to sit on. Hmm. And so this is the chair that has been most successful as a furniture item in the history of mankind. And at any given moment, there are millions of us sitting on a monoblock chair. And so I think that's a great example of a really interesting way to take an object and make it universal and important and Mm -hmm. cinematic. Yeah. And here in the topic, honestly, you might think like, what? What would I watch a documentary about? About a chair. (laughs) But it is fascinating and it really takes you through an interesting trip through the world and how objects are used. And yes, that one is a great doc that I think will come. 
I think it will be. It's a a more for sure than other titles. Well, good. Yeah. We're hard at work trying to bring you some movies that were at Sundance recently. We have a lot of interesting suggestions that we're working through. So we hope that you'll come and, you know, see at the beginning of the semester. We'll give you some teasers maybe too. So I think I'm going to move on to... A new feature we want to do at the end of, the, of our podcast is ask, get to know our guests a little better. Ask them some questions, you know, get away from the specific film. And so I'm going to give a few questions um, to, that we'll all try to answer here. And they're not all like, you know, some of them are going to be things that you're going to be shocked about. So, for example, what's a movie that you probably should have seen but haven't? Doug, do you want to start? I'm going to get beat up so yeah, bad. Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm going to beat up Mark for okay. the rest of you who's listening. You can't uh, do it for the movie he's going to say. Yeah, but I have to admit that I have never seen The Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman, and I, I know that's embarrassing uh, to do so. But as we were thinking about fun questions that we might ask, I admitted that when I was a PhD student at Penn State, a few friends and and I would get together occasionally and just kind of have these truth or dare sessions in which you admitted the greatest piece of literature that you hadn't oh, read. Oh, nice. And so this is kind of a film version of yes, that. Yes, it is. And uh, so now as my penance, I will very soon You'll watch it? Read this, watch the seventh hmm. scene. I'm not going to guarantee you, but I'm going to go to Mari Loris first. Oh, <laughs> What's wow. yours? Okay, keeping... We're keeping so, the suspense. I've never seen Titanic. I love to <laughs> sell. I, you know, I'm from France and I, I grew up selling with, with my dad and my brother. And I love the ocean. And I was like, no way I'm going to spoil this for myself. Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you might not want to go out on the water anymore. Yes, I was like, no, I'm not watching this. And I, I think I will never watch it. So I'm keeping, I'm keeping myself stay. safe on okay. the sailboat. So Doug has promised to watch his. Marie Laura. I can't. Now, now, okay, now I will confess. <gasps> the movie that I have never seen but should <laughs> is what many consider to be the greatest film of all time, Citizen Kane. (laughs) I've never seen it. I could talk about it. I know why it's important. I've seen scenes from it. I could talk about all kinds of things, but no, I haven't. And I own it. Will you see it then, or? But I don't know. Ah. At this point, I'm almost like, <laughs> is, a certain is there a certain bragging rights to <laughs> not see it? No, I'm going to start throwing things at you. <laughs> Until I do it. Okay, so nothing yeah. I say is valid ever again. <laughs> Until you watch so this. Until I watch Citizen Kane. In my uh, literature classes, I, there's a couple of scenes from Citizen Kane that I frequently show kind of to illustrate some literary point. And I'll frequently, as a form of hyperbole, will tell mm-hmm. my students that they're not a cultured person if they've never seen oh, oh, Citizen oh, Kane. <laughs> and I, I tell have them no culture. It's hyperbole, right? Because I didn't yes. see it until I was a PhD student, actually. But yeah. uh, come on. Mark, I know. I it's know. time. Watch the I Citizen know. Kane. Okay, we'll see about it. That. So, okay, this is a low stakes question. What's the first movie you saw in a theater? I mean, I'm guessing this is something your parents must have told you about. I don't know. For me, it was The Jungle Book. Mm. So I have no recollection. Mm. I was probably three or something. I don't know. Yeah. Who who wants to say? What was yours? Do you know? Do you have your, well, I can I can go. And this uh-huh. I, I have no idea whether this is actually the first film I saw in a theater. 
But I was telling Mark beforehand that for those of us who grew up in the 70s, maybe early 80s, we'll remember that not only were there outdoor cinemas, right, Mm -hmm. drive-up theaters, but frequently there were two of them at the same place. So Mm -hmm. one faced one way, one faced another. And if you look behind you, you could see that. And my parents in 1971, which kind of dates me, I was born in 64, but they would go on dates and they would pile the kids in the back of a station wagon, (laughs) expecting that we would go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But what they never realized was that we could watch the film on the opposite screen (laughs) without sound, but we can watch it. And I remember really well in 1971, I assume that's when it was, that I saw the Andromeda strain. And it's kind of this uh, not particularly dramatic, but horror film. And at that age, I was absolutely terrified by the movie, especially without sound where I could imagine all kinds of things. So my first film that I remember, An Andromeda Strain in the Back of a Station Wagon, 1971. <laughs> I love it. And I love that it was like a silent film for you. That you just, <laughs> right. it, maybe it was more frightening that way. You it, know? it was, it, you watch it now and it'll seem kind of cheesy, but it was terrifying to me in the day. Yeah, that's good. What about you, Marilo? Well, I grew up in a small town in the Loire Valley with one cinema wow <laughs> and so it was a big deal to go and mm-hmm. they had like features like we usually had one film and that was it and it was not always like the newest film mm-hmm. but i remember as a little girl going with my family to see the rescuers do you remember yes! this film, yes! film and i just loved that I love so that movie. much anyway, yeah. that was my first film in a theater okay that's nice that's sweet yes okay but now i guess another possibly embarrassing one what's a movie that you like even though it has bad reviews, <laughs> who dares I defend? I want to hear you first. Okay, well, there are a few. Well, okay, this isn't my answer, but there was a movie that I tried to pitch that I don't have a single friend who likes, and it didn't pass. <laughs> and I don't blame anybody, but I had to try, which is the saddest music in the world. It's a very weird movie, but it does have good reviews. And so I like it. Critics like it. I don't really have any friends that like it. But I guess mine... <laughs> this is really bad, but I like the Resident Evil movies that are based <laughs> off of video games and they all are like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. I just, I don't know what to tell you. Something, I like it, even though according to critics, it's garbage. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, I also like donuts <laughs> and that's junk too, right? So, Doug, what about yours? Well, I'm not sure that uh, it's actually a critical flop, but I'll just uh, point out that one of my all-time favorite movies, and probably because I can watch it over and over and over again, is uh, Dan in Real Life. And it's uh, it's a film that, I I don't know, it's just a comfort film for me, and uh, perhaps not the greatest movie of all time, but I like it enough that I'm asking my wife and my children my older children to watch it again with me. And they tell me, no, (laughs) it's been too soon. And I could watch that movie probably twice a year for the rest of my life. Okay. My Laura, you got one? Yeah, mine is called Haga, and it's a very slow-moving film. You're following this very old couple, and they're just one of the last people to live in a very traditional way in the lost tundras of Siberia somewhere. And it's so slow, but I love it. It's so poetic. And just the critics have been really harsh. Really? Really? <laughs> yes. And this is this is one of my favorite films that touched me so much and so deep about this losing of a traditional way and this elderly couple just fighting the environment. And it's just, yes, I love it. 
Okay, well, I'm going to skip to a few that are quicker now. Favorite movie snack? Popcorn. I don't eat food when I watch a film. Either do I. <laughs> I just want to watch the film. Me too. I don't want to be distracted. <laughs> you know what? Okay, there is an exception to that, though. I don't, I don't either. And what I always liked in France was... Now it's changed since then. But 20 years ago or so, the they didn't chocolates. have... Well, no, but also they didn't have loud food. Yes. They only had quiet food. You know? I mean, some people managed to make an ice cream cone loud, but, you know, they, but generally, yeah, I don't... But I have snuck in French pastries into a French <laughs> cinema in my camera bag before. Oh I know, it's horrible. And But in America, I never eat any. I know. I did a whole meal one time, but uh, okay. Anyway, so here's a would you rather. Would you rather sit behind someone who's looking at their phone during the movie or in front of someone who's talking during a movie. It's just, just horrible. I know, like, I know it's so it's just, like It's a torture just to think about it. I know. What do you think? Uh, neither. Yeah. <laughs> nope, sorry, but I, would take the, I would take the phone over the talking. The phone? Phone. Probably too, because maybe it's easier to kind of like ignore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Especially it's if they're really talking tough. about the movie. <laughs> uh, I kind awful. of, sometimes I'm really amused. So like I saw a French political movie one time and there were some, like a group of old women in front of me talking the whole time, but it was like, movie commentary because then suddenly I got the commentary of what the old French woman thought about the French political film. So if it's that, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so maybe the talking, is there a line from a movie that you quote, you know, in your family or whatever that comes up? And if so, what is it? Oh, my family is always quoting fantastic Mr. Fox. Really? Like all the children, the parents, all of us, we're just, we're quoting it nonstop. And one of my favorite sentences from Mrs. Fox, and she says, if what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. (laughs) Okay, that's a really good one. I like it. So I I kind of chose my previous film because I knew you were going to ask this question. Mm -hmm. So Dan in real life. And uh, for those who have seen the movie, you know that Stephen Carell plays a, a widowed father of, of uh, teenage daughters. And one mm-hmm. of the daughters who he breaks up from her boyfriend, she screams at him in that typical teenage voice and says, you are a murderer of love. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot about that. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's my favorite line and one you might hear around my house. A murderer of love. Okay, those are good. Mine are super random. I really like the movie Soap Dish. I don't know if you've seen it. See, it's a sleeper. It's it's fun. It's about, you know, making of soap operas that had Sally Fields in it. And Kevin Klein at one point is talking about a character that he's going to play on a soap opera. And he says, he has seen things, European things. So I like to say that <laughs> about myself. And, um, <laughs> and then we, you know, we also, there's a line from it where somebody says, I too have an oath, a nurse's oath. And I know that like makes no sense. And we use it completely randomly. So I guess that's ours. That's great. Okay. To wrap it up, because when you watch a movie at international cinema, sometimes you might not like it at first or later, or hopefully come to appreciate it. So I guess what I want to end with is what's a movie that you didn't like at first, but you came to like? Maybe repeat viewing. Maybe this is an argument for going back and seeing one of your favorite international or your least favorite international cinemas, uh, cinema movies later. For me, I'll start out. 
when the first time I watched Umbrellas of Cherbourg, I turned it off after 20 <laughs> minutes. I was like, yeah, I know. I didn't like it at first because it was just so saccharine. It just felt too sweet. And I didn't. But then I went back and watched it a couple years later. And I was amazed. And I loved it. And I think it's just basically I was mesmerized by all of the singing and stuff, but I didn't realize what was actually being said or going on beneath the surface. So that's my argument for even taking a movie that you don't like and giving it another shot with a closer look. What do you think, Doug? You got one? Well, I'm going to play off of uh, last semester. We did a spaghetti Western, Once Upon a Time in the West, that was a real hard sell to quite a few of the students in the international cinema class. And some of us here. And some of us here. (laughs) And, And I can tell you that I understand fully kind of the complaint about Westerns. And I'll admit that I used to absolutely hate John Wayne. And I think I'm the atypical academic who's gone in reverse, because I think a lot of people might have liked John Wayne and then they've turned against him. And I did the opposite. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. It's because of a movie called Fort Apache. And I'm a Mexicanist. So I teach, uh, I do a lot of research in Mexican film. And one of my projects is looking at filmmakers from the United States who cross the border to make film in Mexico and vice versa. And John Wayne actually loved Mexico and Mexican filmmakers. And in Fort Apache, he fought to have a Mexican actor, Pedro Armendariz, have co-billing with him and Shirley Temple and others in that film. And if you go back and watch that film with a more open eye, I think you'll see that it's much more open and diverse. And you'll see a much more complex John Wayne than perhaps many people see him has today. Okay. Now that's not an argument for all of his films because many of them are terrible, <laughs> but Fort Apache is a fun film. Okay. And worth your time. Good. Milo. So I'm embarrassed about mine. Very, very embarrassed. But the first time that I saw Hunt for the Wilder People. Really? No, listen, I turned what? it off. I turned it off because <laughs> I was so hurt the way they were treating the little boy. Oh. What? They're making fun of him because he's a little uh-huh. overweight. What? They're treating him like this. Oh, my goodness. This film is horrible. They're telling him he's going back to juvie. I, I thought it was like child abuse. Uh-huh. Turned it off. I was so hurt. And then my kids started watching it. And my kids were laughing so hard. So I'm like, okay, I've got to go with them. <laughs> and I sat with them. And their laughter really helped me loosen up a little bit. But I think the mama bear was just like totally overshading everything uh-huh. at first. And I love it. And I think it's so fun. And I'm so glad that my children can open this to me and just show me the, the humor in, in many things. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there you go. So we all learn things from repeat viewings of films. And we hope that you will and that you'll be open to watching movies that maybe you won't like at first. That's right. So <laughs> really happy to be to wrap up the semester and to be working on exciting things for the fall. So any last words? Thank you to everybody for supporting us. Yeah. Yes. And it, it's great to work with international cinema and to, you know, help provide uh, viewing and listening opportunities for these great movies. Keep listening and keep watching. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on From the Booth. This podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU and supported by the BYU College of Humanities. We're solely responsible for the opinions and ideas 
and bad movie taste that is expressed here, and we do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. A very special thanks to our producer, Devin Glenn, and our former sound engineer, Marina Hegstrom-Pratt, who are finishing and leaving to bigger and better things. We also thank our new sound engineer, Hannah Guevara, We want to thank Johnny Stallings, who composed our podcast soundtrack. We encourage you to visit ic.byu.edu for upcoming films and showtimes. Until we start up again in the fall, keep seeing great international movies. Bye.